page 946, and it's Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. Um, and just to say, if you're new or um, you've been kind of coming in that during September, we've been having our kind of vision housekeeping series, and we've been looking at get connected, get involved, and this evening we're going to look at get out there. So not get out of church, but get out of church and get involved in the world. So classic missional text, Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Shall we pray? And Father, we thank you that we are your hands and feet, that you invite us to get involved. And so, Lord, as we consider these words this evening, and as we look at how we can really practically engage with our city, with our area, would you stir our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you bubble something up within us? And will you take these words of mine and just use them for your will and for your glory? Amen. Amen. Well, um, about 1,800 years ago, it's quite a long time ago, isn't it? Um, there was a chap called Irenaeus, and in my opinion, he was the first great theologian. And he wrote something that has been quoted again and again and again. And he just argued that the glory of God was a man fully alive, a human being fully alive, if we're going to 21st century. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. And in this series, we've been getting super, super practical. But what we've also been trying to kind of exhort, trying to understand is that it's not just a practical thing. Actually, it's a deep, deep knowing of ourselves, that in getting involved, in getting connected, in getting out, getting active, we become more fully alive. In considering God, our triune God, who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and understanding that Genesis 1 and 2 says, you know, you are made in God's image. So just as God is relational, just as God is three persons, so you are fully relational. You're called to get connected. You're called to get involved. You're called to know other people, to spend your life for other people. When we begin to understand that, when we begin to stand in that, we know ourselves more fully and we become more fully alive because we're exactly who God created us to be. And so we talked a lot about um, God being relational in these past few weeks. But there's also a kind of deeper, wider truth, if you will, that God is not only a relational God. He's an active God. He's a God who is constantly pouring himself out to us. You know, he's not the remote God of Islam. He's this personal God who became one of us. He's a God who I'm sure each and every one of us can say, actually, I know that Jesus. I know that Father. I know the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the ever-opening God. And just as he is the ever-opening God, just as he is the ever-active God, we become more fully ourselves, more fully alive, as we become active 
because that is what we are made for, made in the image of the triune God who is relational and active. Amen. Amen. Great. So a while ago, um, in a previous life, I was a youth pastor at a church up the road called St. Paul's Hammersmith. And we used to run all sorts of ministries. Um, but on the Friday night, it was the Open Youth Club, which I loved and I hated. Because I knew I was going to walk in and it would be chaos. And sometimes we had to call the police and I'd have to play ping pong with Warren and he'd swear at me. And, you know, it was all that sort of stuff. Um, and I'd look at my youth leaders, who were these amazing guys with busy London lives with jobs that, you know, were weighty and they poured an awful lot of themselves out into. And sometimes I just think, what on earth are you doing here on this rubbish, in this rubbish building, sorry, on this council estate on a Friday night when you probably just want to be out for a beer? And as I talked to each and every one of them, they couldn't quite articulate it, but what they were trying to say was, that in giving of themselves, in getting active, in engaging with the Warrens and the Georgias and the Jamies of the world, who were so utterly different to them and their everyday lives, they became more fully alive because they, they had become active. They'd begun to know more and more what they were created for. They were active for the kingdom of God. And so how do we really know that our God is an active God. Well, I'm sure we've all got in this room personal testimonies, those moments where we can say, actually, the Father was active in my life. But equally, we stare at human history, don't we? And it begins in Genesis 1 and 2. God didn't need to create us, didn't need to create the world. He's perfect love, he's perfect unity. But still, our God said, I'm hungry for my people. I'm going to create humankind in my image. He poured himself out. Irenaeus, the chap that I mentioned earlier, talks of the two hands of God. So the Father creating through the Son and by the Spirit. Genesis 1 and 2, it's through the Word and by the Spirit of God, the Ruach of God hovering over the waters. And then throughout the Old Testament, God is constantly, constantly active. We've messed up, Genesis 3, sin, but God is always, always calling people to himself. And then we see it most fully, most clearly, I guess, for our lives in the incarnation, that somehow Christ, the Word, becomes flesh, steps in human, into human history, takes on full humanity like me or you, flings wide his arms of love upon the cross, says it's finished, curtain temple is torn, Matthew 26, and God says, come in, come in, come in, my children. My sons, my daughters, I love you. I'm always here for you. I'm always, always open. And then we look through church history, don't we? New Testament, it's just the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks of us as the temple of the Holy Spirit, that actually, as believers... For you, Imogen, how the Holy Spirit, that bit of God, dwells deeply within you so that you're never alone. We are never orphans. We're exhorted to run this race, to get active, to understand what we're made for, to be fully alive. But God says, I won't leave you alone. The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the risen Christ, the power of God Almighty lives in and amongst you so that you can run with perseverance. He's ever active, he's ever opening out, he will never leave us. And so we as Christians, we get involved because we're made in his image.
And then we turn to our text. Let's rehearse it again. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And as we began this series, we said that actually Scripture knows nothing of solo religion. Scripture knows nothing of us going it alone. Scripture always calls us to get connected, always calls us to engage with other people. But Scripture also knows nothing of inward-facing religion. It knows nothing of us coming together in a holy huddle and having a lovely knees up for Jesus and then just pottering out into the world and not saying very much about Jesus. Actually, just as the posture of God is outwards, so our posture as Christians needs to be outwards. We're called to turn our eyes from this to out there, to take an outwardly facing posture and to run into a hurting and broken world with the good news of Jesus. And Matthew um, is writing to uh, a whole group of kind of emerging churches in the uh, early sort of Greco-Roman world. And his primary goal is discipleship. The whole point of his gospel is discipleship. And that's why the climax of it is this, go and make disciples of all nations. And his definition of discipleship, the New Testament definition of discipleship is that we are discipled as we go. And so, yes, we've got to gather. Yes, we've got to be committed to coming to church on a Sunday evening or morning on the 8th of August. Yes. Um, yes, we should be committed to life groups. Yes, we come together. But we come together so that we might get refueled, so that we might go. Verse 17, they see the risen Christ and they worship. That's what we're doing this evening. We're seeing the risen Christ. We're seeing Jesus. We're worshiping. But then what immediately happens Get out there into all of the world. Some doubted. I find that so encouraging because I doubt all the time. You know, we're all crap pots, aren't we? We all get it a bit wrong. Jesus does not care. These men had walked with him for three years. And now they've seen him risen from the dead and they're still doubting. And he still says, get out there. So if you're sitting in the seats this evening and feeling, I just, I'm not sure I can do this stuff. It's exactly where God wants you. He says, get out there, because it's through me, by my spirit, it's my glory. You can get out there in all of your doubt, all of your confusion. And so they see the risen Christ, and they get going. I think possibly, I don't want to overstate this, but for too long in the church, we've seen this as the stage and we've put a lot of energy into a glorious Sunday service. But you know what, guys? This is not the stage. That's the stage. This is simply the rehearsal room. This is where we come to get a greater vision of who God is, to delve into his word, to adore him through song, to minister in the power of the spirit. But this is not the stage. That is the stage. And we need to take hold of that afresh as church. Um, me and Tim were talking about this. And he says he often uses the analogy of a ship. 
that actually we're the ship of the church. But the ship is called to set sail, not to live in the harbor. If it just sits in the harbor, it gets rusty. It needs to sail out into the waters, onto the stage. It needs to be what it was made to be. We are the church, the living body of Christ. We've got something to say out there. We need to get out there. Now, Matthew ends like this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And ultimately, guys, that's all we really need to know. That I am, the great I am, is with us. So we can stand like, you know, Moses before the burning bush in Exodus, where he's saying to God, God, I can't do it, I'm rubbish, I'm a bit trembling, you know, I can barely speak. And God doesn't say to him, Moses, that's silly, you're great, off you go to Pharaoh. No, he just says to him, I am with you. All we ever really, really need to hear from the Father is that I am is with us. And that's the fuel to go. Paul puts it um, another way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love this image. I'm always banging on about it. And he kind of depicts us as having two sets of eyes. So we've got our spiritual eyes and our physical eyes. And our spiritual eyes, our eyes, the eyes of our heart, are so focused on eternity, are so focused on God and who he is and a vision of the new creation and what is to come and on the knowledge that the only thing that we are taking into eternity with us is other people. Your job's not going there. Your house isn't going there. Your car's not going there. Your clothes, if you may, or your shoes or your books aren't going there. The only thing that is heading into eternity, the only thing of eternal value is other people. And so our spiritual eyes, they're set on that. They're set on eternity to come. They're set on the reality of the great I am with us. And then our physical eyes, which are a muscle, are set on the day-to-day, are set on what God has put before us in our kind of Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, are set just looking for, you know, God, what might you be doing in my life? What might you be doing with that person over there? What might you be doing with that group? Where is the spirit moving? And when those two things are in sync, we become unstoppable. We're a church on fire because our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our heart, know what we're aiming for. And they fuel us. God fuels us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And our physical eyes are so aware of the world around us that we cannot but help getting involved, getting out there, getting engaged. The Father promises that I am always with you, that the power of the living God lives within you, and that when you get active, however sacrificial it feels at the time, you will become fully alive. And so for those youth leaders at the bridge that I was talking about, I'm sure at first, in fact, I know at first, it was like, oh my goodness, Friday night, are you kidding me? But actually, as it became a normative part of their week, the muscles of their eyes, the muscles of who they were began to develop. Muscle memory began to develop. And it just became a normal thing that every other week on a Friday, this is what they went to do. And it began to allow them to be more alive, to become kind of in the slipstream of Jesus, as Tim was using as an analogy uh, last week. They just got into the flow. 
And they got active, powered by the spirit, and it was normative because a muscle memory had developed. And that's part of what God wants to do with us this evening. He wants to stir us. He wants to push us out. He wants to say to us, actually, where does your muscle memory need to develop? What do you need to do? What am I calling you to? Out there, out on the stage, not here in the rehearsal room, no matter how important it is to gather as church. And we've talked a little as well in this series about eye culture and how actually eye culture doesn't work because it's the complete opposite of who God is and what we were made for. And so this evening, just, just ponder this. You know, what if we challenged ourselves to speak of we culture rather than I culture? What if we challenged ourselves just for a week to talk about us time rather than me time? I spend a heck of a lot of time talking about me time. I don't think I even know what that means. What if we stop saying we're too busy? And again, we don't want to burn people out. That's not what we're about at St. Dee's. But actually, I've realized that my reflex to pretty much everything is, oh, I might be too busy, because it's almost cool to be too busy. What if we're not actually too busy? What if we've got space? What if we're called into sacrifice? What if we're called to go that little bit further in our schedules? And what if we decidedly cultivated a relationship with someone utterly different to us? And only you will know who that could be in your lives or the sort of person you might like to seek. We'll look at practically how you can do that in a moment. But actually something came alive in me when I sat with Warren, who couldn't be more different to me. Because we're not called to a holy huddle. And the kingdom is not homogeneous. The kingdom is full of all types of people. The kingdom is not white, middle-class, 20s and 30-somethings in a nice church in Parsons Green. The kingdom is something much, much wider. And we get to create and cultivate that right now in a metropolitan city. So, we culture over I culture. Us time over me time. Maybe there's a bit of space in my schedule rather than I'm too busy. Finding a relationship with someone who is very different to us. And I can absolutely promise that engaging with this stuff, you will become more fully alive. That it will do something within you and your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. And so really practically and kind of getting out there, at St. Dee's on the 24th of September, which is an excellent day. Um, <laughs> three things. Um, firstly, Christmas is coming. Yeah, it's a bit scary, isn't it? How's Christmas coming again? But Christmas is coming. Is Christmas not like the easiest way to invite someone to church? Is it not the easiest way to get out there? And so um, there's going to be loads of Christmas services, but most specifically, we're going to have a traditional carol service on the 10th of December and a wonderful unplugged carol service on the 17th of December. And it's gonna be very creative. We're gonna have some spoken word stuff. We're hopefully gonna have haystacks for seats and candles and the church isn't going to burn down. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> um, but what a way 
What an easy way to invite people into the community of faith. It's Christmas. Everybody loves Christmas. So let's use Christmas to get out there. Community engagement. We want to uh, really press into that for a moment this evening. Actually, as we get out into our community, something stirs. And so I'd love to, uh, if we've got the clip, I'd love to introduce you to a friend of mine called Dimitri. And actually his life was changed by um, the Open Youth Club that we ran in Hammersmith a few years ago. And he just wanted to encourage us this evening. So this is Dimitri, over video. Let's see him. Hi guys, I'm Dimitri, and I'm here to talk to you guys about how community engagement helped me. Um, I grew up in a place called Hammersmith, central Londonish. And basically from there, a church called St. Paul's did loads of projects. And one of the projects that really got to me was the Bridge Youth Club. And it was great and key in terms of for them stepping out and meeting non-church youth and for me. Because from then, I've been on a great journey and life has changed in a great way. To meet people who are from different backgrounds to me, who just want to interact and help me, talk to me, communicate with me, and in turn, build bonds and relationships that are still going to this day and who are ever present in my life. And with their form of encouragement, with them interceding, with them really being a foundation and show me another way of life and how faith can impact me and impact others, I've been blessed to do so. I live by the mantra now of blessed to be your blessing. I'm now fortunate and lucky enough to lead worship in churches and be part of a church community and a church family and help others grow and also raise youth and others around to continue to do in the great works that were invested in me. So going out and stepping out in community is brilliant. It's wonderful. There are times when it's ups and there's times where it's downs, but those journeys that they went through with me, I've now also done journeys with other people and I'm blessed enough to work for a college where I get to do the same. So guys, thank you and continue doing your good work. Hi guys. <laughs> there it goes again. You know, when I first met Dimitri, he was a skinny 16-year-old uh, who was so broken. You know, his <laughs> he was skinny, I promise you. Um, he had like zero parentage. His dad was a one-eyed gangster from Notting Hill and his mum was sectioned. And he was a broken, broken guy. And then we just started by playing ping pong. And now I just can't believe, sorry, I can't believe the young man he's become. It's extraordinary. And that all started playing ping pong on a council estate in Hammersmith. So worth it getting out there. And so let's share how we can do that at St. Dee's. Georgia is here. Yes. <laughs> Come on, Georgia. <laughs> Great, so funny you mentioned ping pong because we've just been playing ping pong over it's in the mission sport. hall prior to the 5 p.m. service, which was fantastic. We had five young men come and join us between the ages of 11 and 14, and we're hoping to grow that. Um, one of them said that he'd invited two friends tonight. Neither had come, but he's hoping that one will next week. So they're already getting excited about that. And our vision for starting youth here at St. Dee's is not just to meet a need for the young people that come to our church, but also to go down the road to Sullivan Estate and start playing ping pong on the estate and get people involved, um, whether it's through Sullivan Primary School, um, where Joe will be, hopefully, um, we're going to partner with St. Matthews to be running a parenting program there. Um, but whether it's the mums talking about the 
the events that their children are coming to and getting each other's children to come along or whether it's the kids inviting each other. It's a really exciting outreach opportunity that we have to change the lives of people much less fortunate than ourselves. Um, and I've seen it before, back when I was a youth leader in Australia, we had one of the poorest postcodes was on the end of our city and we would go into the high school there and run a breakfast mm. program and a leadership program and we had many of those young people then come along to our youth group on a Friday night, um, eventually come in and join the church on a Sunday um, mm. and one of them even married our pastor's daughter recently. Hey! So there you go. That's a story. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's a, another one um, broke the cycle of uh, unemployment mm. um, that was just prevalent in that postcode. So it would just be, you know, once you turn 16, you have babies and go on benefits and the cycle continues. Mm. And she actually went along to university, uh, became a paramedic and actually moved to London. It's probably about two years ago because she's just gone home. So um, it was amazing. She got in contact because she heard I was living here. Mm. And that was a good probably 10 years ago that I was doing life with her back then. So it's amazing to know that the influence we can have on these people. And yeah, so if you'd love to get involved with the outreach uh, program with our youth, we've got a handful of you here that were youth leaders tonight and we had a ball. So we'd love to get more of you on board. Um, or if you have any fresh ideas for us outreaching at Sullivan Estate or into any of the primary schools as well, we'd love to hear from you. Come and chat to me afterwards. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Georgia. Yeah, and there is a sheet, sign-up sheet for youth at the back. So grab Georgia and you can pop your digits on that. Tim. Wonderful. Um, it's interesting when Nydia just mentioned now about Christmas, and I, I don't know what your immediate response or reaction was. I, just, I, I think I sort of heard almost a sort of murmur, ooh, you know, Christmas. And I'm guessing, and this is an assumption, I'm guessing most of us have... The, uh, predominantly a good feel about Christmas. We look forward to it. Um, it's, this is really just a call to question the assumption that the, in leafy Parsons Green, everyone thinks of Christmas in a rosy way. And the reality is that on our doorstep around here, there are people who dread Christmas. Mm. There are people who dread Christmas because they are lonely, estranged maybe from family and from friends. There are elderly housebound people who don't see, ha don't have human contact for maybe days at a time, conversation with anyone. And the call is for us through Fulham Good Neighbor to partner with Fulham Good Neighbor. They already exist. All we have to do is join them in meeting with people who are lonely, just to be a friend. It's as simple as that. It's a conversation. It's a chat. It may be helping them to do things, like shift some furniture, weed a garden, whatever it might be. Little odd jobs wouldn't take any of us uh, or a group of us more than an hour every now and then. And we can, we can change people's lives. Other people won't be looking forward to Christmas because they, they think, how on earth am I going to put food on the table? I, I can't make ends meet week by week. I can't feed my kids properly week by week. How on earth am I going to get a turkey or whatever it might be? They, they rely on food bank. Uh, our Hammersmith and Fulham Food Bank is centred at Christchurch just across the way. It couldn't be easier for us, every single one of us, every week, to bring in stuff like we had on the screen earlier. Every week, just drop it in the... I'd love that those crates at the back are too small and that every week, it, rather than once a month we make the delivery, every week we have to make a delivery across to Christchurch to make a difference for people just to put food in the bellies of kids and families who can't in this area here uh, and maybe bring a bit of hope when they think about Christmas. 
And for those people, many of them, they take advantage of easy credit. And before they know it, they're spiraling down into, into debt. The stats, you can look them up online yourself. The stats are horrific for, uh, across every age, including increasingly young people who are looking to buy just the typical days, sort of uh, weekly provisions on credit because they haven't got enough money within a, 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 an ordinary bank account and spiraling into debt that way. And so we're looking to partner with Crosslight, uh, which is based at St. Paul's Hammersmith. Uh, and Crosslight just helps, helps people walk out of the, the, the kind of black hole of debt. It helps people to manage their money. You don't have to be an accountant, or I guess that helps if you want to be involved in that. Crosslight will train us uh, so that we can just walk alongside people and help them with simple money management skills. So it's Food Bank, it's Fulham Good Neighbour, it's Crosslight. I, in each of those ways, we can be good news as we get out there. Sheets for all of those are on the table at the back. Brilliant. Thank you, Tim. Um, and equally, uh, if you're just sitting there or something comes to you in these sort of coming days and weeks and you just got an idea, you're like, I'd love to start that community initiative. We've got a new idea sheet and we'd love to hear from you. So if something is stirring, do um, let us know. So that's Christmas, that's community engagement, and finally, Alpha, another way that we get out there. So hopefully everybody's got a little Alpha invite on their seats, wave them at me. Yeah, we've got those, great stuff. Um, if you could um, just have a little look at it, pop it in your pocket or your wallet or whatever, and prayerfully think about who you might like to invite to Alpha. And in that vein, we're going to hear from Caroline. So let's give Caroline a round of applause. <laughs> and um, Caroline finished Alpha last Easter time? Uh, yes. Something like that. And you were in Sam and Simon's group? No, yeah. I was in no? Justin's so group. Sorry. Hello, everyone. <laughs> okay, cool. Just, do, okay. just tell us. <laughs> um, so yes, I, um, I was a person that returned to faith through Alpha. Uh, but I am incredibly grateful to this church for hosting the Alpha. Um, it took me probably nine months to even walk through the door. It took a huge amount of courage to come on my own. Um, I looked at the website and it looked like it was a good church, but I just didn't know what to expect. And um, it was amazing. And for anyone that doesn't know, there are videos and then you sit in groups and people host it, but nobody really tells you the answer. You kind of, people for all different, some people are agnostic, some people are atheists, some people are there to argue, some people are angry. Uh, there's a whole mixed bag. And I used to come away and think, well, yeah, I don't quite know where I fit in. Um, but one of the things I did see was absolute faith in the hosts um, Justin and Lucas, um, they didn't ever preach at people, but their faith, it was really apparent. And um, there was right at the beginning, one girl, Francesca, um, she was uh, speaking. And the way she spoke uh, made me think, gosh, I think you discovered this Christianity already. And I later found out she was actually from the church. Uh, I didn't really understand that uh, some people are there to give added support. But one of the things that happened to me during that journey is I went on the Alpha weekend and I only went for one day and even then I was very doubtful and I was thinking yes I have faith for other people I don't know if I have faith for myself and I had lots and lots of questions and they were almost like blockages um, like well how could this be or how could that be and in the end in that um, uh, at the Alpha weekend is when HTB bring all the churches together 
I had an experience with the Holy Spirit that just completely changed everything. And um, it didn't really matter anymore that I didn't have all the answers because I knew who Jesus was. Mm. That's making me emotional, <laughs> sorry. But um, that was my turning point. And I guess the big thing I would say is um, we don't need to have all the answers, but we do need to tell somebody or uh, people in our lives, have the opportunity, grab the opportunity to tell people that it's going on. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us. And I'm going to try and give this out to people um, and hope that opportunities arise. But it's not down to me to convince people about Christianity. The Holy Spirit does that. That's, mm. that's God's job. Um, sometimes we look at people and think, oh, they're okay. I looked okay, successful, you know, from world standards, loads, great things going on in her life. No, inside, I was in a spiritual wilderness, and I had a God-shaped hole. And I've learned how to fill that. And I just love this church. There are so many <laughs> amazing people here that quietly um, go about loving people and showing that in a really practical way. And unfortunately, I'm still coming on my own, not with my family, but I'm praying for them. But I do feel like I have found a family. And there are lots of broken people out there. I happen, through God's goodness, to stumble my way in and find you guys. Uh, but we must all know somebody. And, you know, just to, just to put it out there, and then where it goes from that, that's down to God. But we've got an opportunity, and I'm just really, really grateful I found you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Wonderful. So, get out there. Get out there through the word, by the spirit, in his power. And yeah, Christmas, community engagement, full of ideas at the back, and Alpha. So, yeah, absolutely, prayerfully consider who to invite and if you need more cards we've got loads of more ones so amen and i think tim is going to take us just a little bit further now yeah. 